Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for September 6th is Ezekiel chapters 32 through 34. Chapter 32 picks up with the prophecy to and against and for the land of Egypt. Now, we didn't really have time to cover it yesterday, but basically that last chapter talking about Egypt and Assyria was an address to Pharaoh and to the people of Egypt to say, just like Assyria used to be the dominant world power and you are now, Assyria came to an end and so will you. Kind of like us today in the United States, the dominant world superpower. People used to joke about the superpower. I remember radio personalities saying, we are the superpower. God can remove that at any point. And I believe he is. I think that we're seeing it today. The United States is not the dominant place that it used to be. And it's not going to be until we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the kingdom of heaven and follow God's rules. It's true for all people, especially for those people who are called by his name, who claim his name. You bring judgment upon yourself when you don't follow him. Or, as is the case for Egypt way back when, they openly despised the Jewish people, the people of God, and the God whom the people served or were supposed to be serving. In chapter 32, in the second verse, lament for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and say to him, you compare yourself to a lion of the nations. Picture the sphinx, the man's head on a lion's body. God is saying, you think of yourself so highly, but in actuality, you're like a sea monster and you're going to be dealt with. And that's what chapter 32 is really about. In chapter 33, we see this transition that we mentioned yesterday and how Ezekiel is addressed as God's watchman or the watchman appointed by God over the people of Israel. What is a watchman to do? Somebody who stands on the tower, who looks out into the distance when he sees the enemy coming, he alerts, he sends an alarm, he wakes up the men of the city. The watchman's job is not to go out and fight the battle for the people, it's to warn the people. And God commissions Ezekiel once again and says, You are the watchman. You will do what I tell you. You will say what I tell you. They will be saved. If they don't listen to you, they will not be saved. But Ezekiel, pay special attention. If you don't tell them what I tell you, then you also will suffer their fate. If you don't tell them and they continue in their sin, they'll still be punished, but you also will bear their guilt. In verse 18, it says, when a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, he will die for it. In other words, you can obey the law your entire life. And after 80 years of living righteously, if you decide to harm somebody, steal from somebody, kill someone, you'll pay for it. 
when you get arrested and you go to court for rape or for murder, it would be wrong if the judge let you off because you had never done it before. You harmed somebody. There needs to be restitution. Verse 19, but if a wicked person turns from his wickedness and does what is just and right, he will live because of it. You can be guilty. You can do wrong things. And when you repent, you will be forgiven. The important thing is that we repent. And just because we lived a somewhat righteous life in the past, we're not as bad as that person over there, doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want. We need to make a righteous judgment. Jerusalem falls. Now, three sieges against Jerusalem, years and years, and eventually the city is breached. And it's been a terrible, terrible time. There's famine in the land. People are starving. People are eating their children. They're so hungry. It's a horrible, horrible time, and none of us can probably imagine what that must have been like. And it's interesting because Ezekiel says, The hand of Yahweh had been on me in the evening before the fugitive arrived. The fugitive was the messenger who said, The city has fallen. And he opened my mouth before the man came to me in the morning. It's like Ezekiel had this vision. He knew what was coming, perhaps. And it says, So my mouth was opened, and I was no longer mute. And if you remember, there was this. It was, it was almost snuck in in chapter 24, I believe it's in verse 27, chapter 24, where Ezekiel had prophesied about his wife passing away, and God had told him not to cry, and then God had, had, had said, after this time, after the city has fallen, because the wife was a, a, a symbol of what was going to take place in the city, after this happens, you will be mute no more. And it's the picture I got in my mind was Ezekiel had said everything he was going to say. And this had been a few years at this point. And there was nothing left to say to Israel or to the people of Jerusalem. And so the last couple of years, these last seven or so chapters, Ezekiel was prophesying to the other nations about things that was going to take place to them. Israel continues in its rebellion in chapter 33. And then in 34, we see this turning point of where God says, that's it. I've had enough. I am going to intervene. And I highlighted these verses because these are verses that many of us know, and they're going to be familiar to most people. But we have to remember the context, right? We had 33 chapters. We're talking about decades of Ezekiel and his contemporary Isaiah and Hosea and all of these different prophetic words about the fall and the destruction of Jerusalem. It's like for the last 1,500 years, 2,000 years of history, it was just like flying by, and now we've slowed down, and time is moving so slow, and we're getting graphic, detailed images of the destruction of Judah. The, the biblical timeline has been flying by, and now it's like this magnifying glass moving in slow motion from all of these different angles, the people being deported, the different exiles, the destruction of the city. And finally, we get some hope about what is to come in the future. But first, one final judgment 
from God on the shepherds. Now, we're not talking about the shepherds that looked over the flocks of sheep. It's symbolic. A lot of times people equate shepherds in the Bible to pastors in the church. Woe to the church leaders, it could be saying. Woe to the leaders of the nation of Israel. Again, not the government so much, but the spiritual leaders. Now, remember, for Israel, those two things were the same. The government was the church. It was They were united, and obviously it wasn't church. I'm using that euphemism. But it's the spiritual nation was the physical, literal nation. Woe to the leaders. Why? Because they were getting rich while the people were left poor. They were getting fat while the people were left starving. They were being well provided for while the people were going without. Woe to the religious leaders who take advantage of people who get rich and fat and comfortable while the people they're supposed to be looking looking out for are weak spiritually, financially. Woe to those leaders. God's saying, I am going to deal with you harshly. God says, look, I am against the shepherds in 34 verse 10. I will look for my flock and I will rescue them. There's that hint of good news to come. God is going to rescue his people. Now, in this day and time, again, these prophecies have not been fully fulfilled at this time. In 2023, the prophecies of Ezekiel chapter 34 have not been fully realized. There is an aspect of them that, have, that has yet to happen. And so we need to take an account. And if you are a church leader who is getting rich off of the people you're supposed to be serving, and the people are not faring so well, you might have a problem. You might find that God is against you. Woe to these shepherds, God says. And it's not always about physical wealth. It's not always about money. Let's look at the spiritual wealth. What is the fruit? that is being born from your ministry. What is the fruit? If you're a mega church pastor or leader, or you have some other large ministry and people say your name and buy your books, are the people better off for listening to your messages? Are the people better off for reading your books, for going to your services, for donating to your 501c3? Are they better off? My friends, I'm not talking about making people feel better. I'm talking about are they better off? Are they made more holy? Are they growing in their faith? Because if they're not, you might need to check the types of messages that you're putting out. Might need to make sure that you're not one of those people tickling others' ears. Because God says, I will look for my flock and I will rescue them. I will bring them out from the people, gather them from the countries, and bring them to their own soil. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel. I will tend them in good pasture. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, strengthen the weak. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will shepherd them with justice. 
And so an aspect of this is bringing Israel back to the physical land of Israel. But there's a spiritual truth here of bringing the people of God back to the truth where they are eating and drinking the word of God and being filled with the spirit of God, and they are being ushered into all truth. God says in verse 23, I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. Some people might think that this is a, a reference to the Messiah, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the fulfillment, Jesus being the fulfillment of the Davidic promise, the son of David who would reign on the throne forever. And some people think this refers to the future in which people of God are resurrected, and it will actually literally be King David. Curious to know what your thoughts are on that. God says, I will send down showers in their season. In verse 26, they will be showers of blessing. They will know that I am Yahweh when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them by the power of those who enslaved them. I don't know about you, friends, but I cannot wait for this day when God comes, when he rescues his people, when he restores complete and total justice to the land. Let's pray. God, do it. Save us, Father. Come. Make your glory known throughout the earth for your glory, for the advancement of your kingdom, Father in heaven. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.